Hi, welcome everybody to our experience, the ASCP podcast. I am your host, Chad Wurz, alongside Tom Hansel. And we are doing another one of our Pillars of Industry podcasts today. Very fortunate to have Rolf Schrader with us. Um, Rolf has been a lot of things to the long-term care pharmacy industry uh, and a lot of things to ASCP over the years. Uh, he is president number 12. I guess we would call you 12. Um, he's been very active uh, throughout his career in long-term care pharmacy and ASCP. He currently serves as the treasurer for ASCP, and he's done that for, I don't know, I guess the last four years or so, maybe longer. Um, certainly as long as my tenure here, and I'm, I'm thrilled that he's been part of it, uh, has brought a lot of stability and expertise to ASCP um, and, and the foundation. So, Rolf, uh, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. And we're just going to do like, uh, I just, we just want to hear your story. So kind of give us your, your background, how you got started as a pharmacist, how you got to where you were when you were, um, a lead at Omnicare and then where you are today. Oh, I don't know. It's pretty boring, but, uh, uh, I graduated in 1970 from Purdue university, uh, at that point in time, I was probably like most pharmacists. I thought I was either going to uh, become a retail pharmacist and uh, maybe own my own pharmacy uh, one day, which is, I think, uh, a lot of people in my class and before were still had that as a uh, career uh, goal and uh, or, you know, go into industry of some sort. Uh, at that point in time, I graduated. I still I had a. Uh, four-year commitment uh, uh, because I was in the ROTC program, so I was also a commissioned uh, second lieutenant at the same time that I graduated from pharmacy school. So I had uh, some uh, service time ahead of me, so I actually found it somewhat hard to get a job uh, because nobody wanted uh, <laughs> to hire somebody that wasn't going to be around, uh, you know, uh, for uh, I, uh, probably within the next year when I was going to go have to go off and uh, go uh, do my uh, active duty commitment. Uh, so I did find this pharmacy in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, they had some retail pharmacies, uh, but they also had a professional store. And in the basement of their professional store, by professional, I mean they did fittings and, and sold uh, DME and all of those things. Uh, uh, but the, in the basement, they were also uh, doing something which I never heard about in school, and that was uh, putting uh, doing unit dose systems uh to service uh, nursing homes. I didn't even know what a nursing home was, I think, at that point in time, uh, because they certainly ranged from a variety of settings. Uh, some, some I found out were old houses, and some were, you know, new bricks and mortar uh, buildings uh, that were just getting started in the industry. But uh, uh, so, uh, the uh, owner of the uh, of, of the chain there, a little five-store chain, uh, he asked me if I wanted to work in that setting, and I, I said sure. So uh, uh, as it turned out, I, I, I when I went off uh, uh, to the service about a year later, uh, 
that was at the time that the uh, uh, Vietnam War was just winding down. And so uh, all of a sudden they had this influx of uh, uh, officers coming back into the states. And uh, they basically told me, well, we don't need you to be a full-time uh, officer at this point in time. We're going to put you in the reserves for eight years, uh, which is, uh, you know, which is what I ended up doing. Uh, so I went back to work for, for the pharmacy, uh, ended up becoming the manager of it, and, uh, you know, started uh, growing this business called... Uh, long-term care pharmacy business and uh, through my association the first uh, system that we had was the Durstar 24-hour unit dose system which was I think developed in 1969 uh, in Ohio by uh, Durstar and the owner there his name was Ken Aurelia who actually uh, served a term on the board of directors in the early 70s as well for ASCP but uh, uh, that's also the time uh, with Drew Star, the Drew Star system, where I first met Tim Webster, uh, who worked for his his time getting started in the long-term care was with Drew Star as well, uh, and he was a sales salesperson, also installer. <laughs> so he wore a lot of different hats uh, for 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 drew star at that point in time and uh, you know tim and i spent quite a bit of time together uh, in those early early days uh, and uh, uh, you know that's basically uh, i guess my entree into long-term care uh, through my uh, at that point in time a few years down the road there uh, we were we decided to switch distribution systems because we didn't see that uh, a 24-hour distribution system was really uh, economically feasible for the reimbursement or lack of reimbursement that we were getting at that point in time. So we went to a multi 30-day supply and uh, along with that we also started getting into computer systems. So uh, my first entree, or I guess experience with other ASCAP uh, people was at a uh, symposium that uh, uh, they were sponsoring in Chicago where they basically brought in uh, a lot of the uh, uh, entrepreneurs uh, uh, and uh, who had uh, experience in with computers, and I'm not, uh, I'm talking about in-house computers in the early 70s, 74s, uh, which uh, at that point in time, you can imagine they weren't little, tiny little desktop boxes. They were pretty huge machines, and, uh, 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 but that technology was just getting started, and it's interesting that it got started in our industry. Uh, it didn't get started in the hospitals <laughs> or the retail. It really got started in long-term care. Uh, and uh, 
again, my first experience with other ASCAP people were uh, they had uh, companies coming in talking about their systems, and it was, you know, the first time I really connected. First time I ever met Rick Berman <laughs> was at this particular meeting, and it was almost like, uh, you know, uh, uh, a celebrity walking into the room because everybody knew who Rick was, uh, and I knew who he was only from the uh, ASCP monthly updates that they used to publish at that point in time. That's what happens when Chad uh, walks into the room now. Yeah, right. Right, right. Uh, Exactly. But it was, you know, it was a very dynamic group. Uh, A lot of the past presidents uh, that uh, I met for the first time, Larry Nimrod, Jack Meshbitz, Milt Moskowitz. I mean, uh, these, these were all the people besides Rick that were in attendance, Bob Hayes, uh, at this meeting. And, uh, you know, uh, what excited me was, uh, you know, how, how uh, you know, they saw a pharmacy different than everyone else saw it. Uh, it wasn't just a retail model. It wasn't a hospital model. I mean, they were into drug distribution systems. So, again, uh, when I looked at other settings, they didn't, hospitals, you know, they didn't have unit dose at that point in time. They were still doing vials. But, but our members, you know, they were at the forefront of those types of things, not just the computers, but the drug distributions systems. But then also you ran into other uh, pharmacists there that were primarily doing consulting uh, in the nursing homes. Uh, I mean, this is the early 70s. This is when, obviously, uh, the... uh, uh, requirement to have a drug regimen review had just come out. Uh, You know, these are the times uh, when uh, uh, ASCAP, uh, we were were trying to get recognition, reimbursement, you know, uh, some of the same things we're crying for now, we were... (laughs) We were crying for a bat then. We want to be reimbursed for our services. So, uh, Rolf, let me ask you, you know, I, this is an industry that has always kind of been there to support each other. And, you know, that's a, a prime example here. You, you you go here and certainly there's some people that are recognized in, 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 in the industry and have, have some name recognition and, and knowledge. But right away, right at the beginning, even back in the 70s you're talking about, they're there to help and support each other. They're there to help each other's businesses. And I believe that still exists today, but uniquely in long-term care pharmacy. Why do you think that that was um, the way it was back then and how we've been able to really sustain that intimate kind of support of each other over these last 40, 50 years? Well, I think back then, first of all, it was new. Everything was so new and people were ground, breaking ground whether it was in computers, whether it was in consulting, how they did it, whether it was in drug distribution. And there, we were, the members weren't necessarily, at that point in time, nobody felt that they were, uh, I guess, uh, competing with each other mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, 
Larry Nemiro was in California. Rick Berman was in Boston. I mean, so it wasn't like, so, you know, people, were, I think, were more open to share information because, at first, because they weren't treading on each other's right. <laughs> turf, so to say. Uh, but then, because everything was somewhat groundbreaking, everybody wanted to know what everybody else was doing because how could we do it better? You know, mm -hmm. was somebody doing it better? Uh, was there a better system, better computer? Was uh, what do you do when you go into a facility to do drug regimen reviews? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, how much time does that take you? What else do you do? Uh, you know in the facilities and uh, well I really I think so I really commend you and, and ASCP and the leaders back then for creating that community creating that you know support and, and help each other and even though we you know long-term care pharmacy certainly could compete against each other there still seems to be that 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 collaboration I think it's because of the ASCP mentality and kind of how they bring everyone together to help each other yeah, I mean there's definitely I think our commonality and what you what you're telling about the early 70s that's still happening today i mean where else can pharmacists get paid for you know cognitive services mm -hmm. like consultants are paid to do drug regimen reviews in nursing homes uh, who gets paid for packaging styles i mean you bring up drew star and their first foray was a 24-hour <laughs> packaging system we're back to that yeah i was gonna say that's full circle now it's full circle we're trying to get right. groceries you know. and so like these things have in some ways haven't changed but this industry is as downtrodden as the skilled nursing home area sounds to the public like i don't want to go there those places aren't it's still this pharmacy innovation center yeah that is critical if we're going to figure out how to care for 75 million people over the age of 65 most of which won't live in a skilled nursing home yeah but all these things we've learned and honed and refined and innovative are going to be important for them, whether they're in an assisted living or they live in, in their home. Yeah. I had an opportunity to go back uh, uh, to Purdue a few times back then uh, and talk to uh, one of the uh, professors that I really held in high esteem uh, uh, at the university and let him know what we were, I was doing. And uh, he invited me for a few years to come down and talk to the class and this was uh, as senior classes was there and actually they ended up bringing the entire senior class up to our pharmacy just so that they could see what a long-term care pharmacy does and again this was in the early mid-70s at that point in time and, but the the students asked me you know what i liked about the setting that I was practicing in and I said well I, I told them I said it was really from everything that we learned in school uh, you know uh, we didn't learn how to count pills we learned the clinical uh, education that we got I thought I said to me this is the only setting where I can actually apply everything I've, I've learned from a, as a pharmacist, from a clinical standpoint, from a drug standpoint, uh, uh, and put it into practice. And when my first foray of going into a nursing home, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
and that's when even before you were required to go into a nursing home uh, as a pharmacist you, know, you might go in to check uh, the PRN box or the outdated you know dating on drugs but you didn't really have uh, you know at that point in time a, a, a requirement that came a year or two later uh, to actually do drug regimen reviews and but the staff there the director of nurses the charge nurses you know a pharmacist coming in to the facility they just sort of gravitated and you know, it was hard to get let out of the building because they really thought you brought some value because they you had, they asked you about this patient or that patient and uh, you know the drugs that they were on and at that point in time certainly one of the main things that we used to check was probably for interactions uh, between the various drugs that they were on and so you know they were reaching out uh, to us and for the most part the doctors really didn't have a problem with it either because they weren't in there all the time uh, uh, which again is why I think we always uh, uh, I think promote the fact that the pharmacist in the building uh, is in these buildings the buildings and uh, should be considered you know a valuable healthcare member of the healthcare team and uh, so I think that's probably what gave me the most satisfaction uh, just being in the part of their team the facilities yeah. and feeling like really we're making having an impact making a difference absolutely you know we have we have this like dichotomy in long-term care of consultants and pharmacy operators you know that you're in operations or you're a consultant um i think if you go back to the beginning and certainly you can speak to this there wasn't that sort of perceived split um to hear you talk about what was important to you as a pharmacist and as your career progressed and talk about those clinical things and recognize that a lot of people would say rolf schrader oh he was he was a big wig at omnicare he's an operator this guy is an operator um, it's not about clinical things necessarily with with what Rolf had done in his career. Can you speak to that? Because I think we still have some of those sort of factions lined up yeah. that you have to be either on the operations side and you're a business person or you're on the consulting side and you're a clinician and there's really a little crossover when the reality is there's a lot. But even like amongst what's, the same pharmacy, the same right, you know, right, right. pharmacist. What, what's your perspective on that? Uh, I, I think they two went together hand in hand, especially back then. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the drug distribution system that the pharmacy was providing was the entree into the facility. Uh, uh, that's and the need for the pharmacist that probably at that point in time was working for the pharmacy uh, uh, to help manage the medications in the facility uh, I think was was you know joined those two functions were sort of joined together uh, based on the fact that 
very frankly, the 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 pharmacy was supporting <laughs> from a financial standpoint a pharmacist being in there because there really wasn't payment for services. Uh, even some of the more, I guess, consultant-only uh, pharmacists were still associated with a pharmacy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I don't think there were any that were doing it uh, <laughs> gratis. <laughs> right. Just because they were wanting I, I, to go into the nursing home. And, what I think is funny about that is I have this sort of thought process about where what does a pharmacy what does a community pharmacist look like in another 10 years maybe even 15 years and to me it looks like the origins of long-term care to me a pharmacist at some point is going to have a number of patients in the community that they have as patients they're going to coordinate the pharmacy that delivers that medication to them in some sort of packaging, they're going to sync it. They're going to meet with that person on a routine basis. Maybe it's not every month, but but some routine basis. And they're going to be sort of the pharmacy without a store. Right. The store is going to be, you know, a production pharmacy somewhere that packages the way that pharmacist thinks is important for that patient. And there's going to be that relationship between the pharmacist doing that work mm -hmm. and that pharmacy, yeah, just like there was at the beginning yeah. of long-term care. I, I, I feel like that's where, that's one aspect of where pharmacy is, not everything, but I think that's where it's going. You know, it just happened to start where there were 120 or 80 or 100 patients living under the same roof. It's gonna end at servicing people in their homes where there might only be one or two yeah. living under that. That's the where roof. the population's going. So, so Rolf, you ended up having your own long-term care pharmacy, a very large long-term care pharmacy in, in Northern Ohio. Tell me about that transition prior to, I, I know you guys sold to Omnicare eventually, but kind of what would incentivize you to do that and, and to grow the way you guys did? Well, I, you know, I ended up buying the uh, pharmacy in Indiana that I was started out with managing and uh, ended up, uh, uh, I guess prior to all of the big mergers taking place, selling that to a uh, a local uh, uh, entrepreneur who actually owned uh, nursing homes uh, facilities and had his own pharmacy, a couple of his own pharmacy as well. And I worked for that organization for a few years. Uh, he ended up actually having facilities in multiple states, uh, uh, Florida, East Coast, uh, uh, Illinois, uh, Michigan area, but uh, then we, we were in a pharmacy expansion mode as well. Uh, he ended up wanting to sell his, his pharmacy business uh, and just focus on his long-term, his nursing facility business. Uh, after a few years, and at that point in time, I made the decision, and uh, I guess I had an offer I couldn't refuse to come to Ohio. So mm -hmm. I worked for a, a entrepreneur in Ohio uh, who probably had one of the largest uh, uh, long-term care pharmacies in the state and uh, helped her grow uh, to become even larger uh, and uh, 
Uh, I think a few years there, and a few, after a few years there, that's when uh, companies like Omnicare uh, were starting to consolidate the business. Uh, so I think uh, uh, West Haven, uh, which was the name of the pharmacy that uh, uh, I was uh, the, uh, I guess, COO for, uh, in Ohio there, uh, uh, we, I think there were their fourth or fifth acquisition for Omnicare at that point. I mean, I think actually it was probably the largest uh, uh, in terms of bed size at that point in time. But uh, uh, that sort of started the, I guess, my moving from then from this independent company uh, to now a uh, uh, public company because they they were uh, a you know a, a public company at uh, right. at that point at they at the time that they were starting to uh, I guess consolidate the industry. <laughs> so, so you've gotten to see this world uh, prior to these large national chains and prior to the three-letter word PBM. And, and how pharmacy was prior to those two things. So I know it's evolved and changed a lot, but can you kind of, I guess, look at it side by side of how life was prior to the, the big national chains, prior to the PBMs to compare to how it is now? And then is it, are we better as an industry? Are we better in, in America because of these two major things, acquisitions and, and PBMs? Or are we need to get back to, to our roots? Uh, I think we already are getting back to our roots, very frankly, uh, to some degree, maybe not so much on the PBM side, uh, but uh, from the standpoint of the uh, uh, provider side, um, I, I think uh, when you, uh, you know, read McKnight's and, and a lot of the industry newsletters, you, you know, and, and just looking around, who your competition is uh i mean uh, even though i've been retired uh, since 2018 uh i know pretty much know who the i guess providers long-term care providers were at the time that i left and those that's probably doubled or tripled uh, as far as uh, those operating inside just Ohio even uh, at this point in time. So we're sort of going from, I, and I think you find that with most industry uh, that starts with a very, you know, uh, uh, entrepreneurial type of industry, then you get into a regionalization, then to a major consolidation. Uh, it happened in the nursing home industry as well. Beverly uh, is a prime example of that. And then there comes a peak, and then after a while, it goes back to a regional uh, market, and then maybe now even a little bit more of an independent market because the, the market, there's a lot of, I would say, maybe not independent, independent, but there's a lot of smaller uh, chains out there uh, competing for the uh, marketplace. Uh, uh, so it, right now it looks more like it did, you know, 20, 20, 30 years ago uh, before all that uh, 
consolidation uh, uh, started. So that's on the provider side. The PBM side, um, I think maybe what might drive that change is more governmental in nature. I don't, you know, uh, uh, whether it goes back to where it was before, I'm not so sure. I think there might just be a different versions of what what we have now. So to kind of follow up on Tom's question, you know, there are there are few people I think that can say I was there at the beginning of an industry. I've seen it go through this cycle all the way through, you know, where it is today. How do you view the next 5, 10, 20 years of long-term care pharmacy like what have you learned that you think will apply? Where do you think it's going? You know, we've got this giant population coming. Um, you know, long-term care always only represented about two, two and a half percent of, of the over 65 population, but that two, two and a half percent is gonna be a much bigger number mm -hmm. in the next five years. Um, but where does it go? What happens? Prognosticate. Well, yeah, I, I think there's going to be continue to be more emphasis uh, and opportunities uh, uh, for pharmacy and for pharmacists uh, to involve themselves in the clinical uh, aspects of long-term care. Not so it's somewhat the same as retail, where you have a refill center and then you have, uh, you know, uh, the idea being in a retail maybe the local pharmacy is going to be more inter direct interaction between the pharmacist and, and and the customer the patients if you will uh, i think uh, to some degree that's going to there's going to be more emphasis on the pharmacist as a member of the healthcare uh, i guess resource uh, other than just the drugs themselves is what i see it i think uh, again uh, we have technology that's enhanced our ability to get drugs out to facilities uh, in, in different packaging modes that might that can that can be customized customized to whatever type of facility we're dealing with, whether that's assisted living, long-term care, uh, whether it's the uh, acute care within long-term care or the you know. Uh, the patients that are there uh, on a longer term basis. So uh, I think, or I see the pharmacists continuing to involve, evolve is, is just, uh, again, as, as a medication manager, a drug resource, uh, and maybe even more of a member of the healthcare team than they have been even in the past. I think everybody would be happy to see that. Yeah. So, so Rolf, would you do it again? You've uh, well, been through yeah, this, I, th th you know, now in this setting, would you open up a long-term care pharmacy and, and, and start, uh, start in the basement again? <laughs> <laughs> if I was, uh, uh, yeah, 50 years younger, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I would, yeah. I, I still have no regrets. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think I'm blessed uh, that uh, I lucked my way into, uh, I guess, being in this industry. Uh, 
you know, I never really grew tired of it. I, because just because of the people that I was involved with, uh, both from uh, uh, the pe the peers that I was with, involved with, but also with the people that I worked with, meaning the administrators and the nurses of the, of the facilities that we serviced, uh, you know, relationships uh, that uh, I developed with many of them. The fact that, you know, I think they felt that they needed a, they needed pharmacy, they needed a pharmacist uh, to help them with taking care of their patients. So, no, I, I have no regrets. If I was younger, I'd do it again. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a career path for pharmacy for some time to come. I, I just hope, uh, uh, in, I guess the one regret I have is that uh, still trying to get a lot of our schools of pharmacy to acknowledge that, you know, this is really, if, if you want six years, seven years of education, you know, if you're going to give six, seven, eight years of education to your students, uh, you know, you should want to put them into a place where they can practice, uh, you know, uh, what what they gain for those. And to me, the best practice overall is is in the long term care market. Absolutely, it's great. Yeah. Well, Rolf. Uh, we're thrilled that you could spend time with us and, and walk us through what what's mattered to you as a pharmacist in your career. Um, just as an aside, we certainly uh, are thankful for you from an association perspective and all the work that you do with ASCP as treasurer and through the foundation. Um, I think what you've commented on today should resonate with that next generation of pharmacists. You know, if somebody like you says, if I were 50 years younger, I would start a pharmacy, then it should tell the youth of, of our profession that, hey, you should start a pharmacy. Like there's an opportunity here. Um, and I think they need to hear that. And to your point, we need to be a lot more assertive at making sure they understand what this aspect of healthcare brings. Um, we're not, you know, with all due respect to big chain drugstores, that's not the environment that we have in long-term care. And we're, we're thankful for that. And it also represents you know, we, you should be seeking us out to get jobs and work in an industry that is fulfilling right. and not, um, maybe not so, uh, I don't know, threatening or damaging or just demanding, demanding, physically demanding, physically. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Use your, use what you went to school for, you know, which that, you know, that clinical base, the knowledge there and, you know, whether you, you know, whether you're dispensing or not, you're still using your, your clinical resource and your clinical education to make that patient better. So, Rolf, thank you so much for, for being an icon in this industry. I mean, I, I've got to know you personally over the last several years, but anybody that hasn't, hasn't gotten to know you personally, I can tell you that um, you certainly were a mentor of mine back when, when I was a, a young uh, baby pharmacist at, at Omnicare. And, and I said, I want to be Rolf Schrader someday when I grow up. And so uh, I never really 
really did that in Omnicare, but certainly have always um, just appreciated and, and, and watched you from afar and gotten to know you personally over the years and just have a bunch of respect for you. So thank you for what you've done for this industry and for ASCP. Absolutely. Thanks for asking me. Well, I also, uh, just a, just a last aside is that, and you brought this up, Rolf, in the beginnings of this organization. We're an approachable organization. This is an organization where the members do collaborate and talk to each other and help each mm -hmm. other. And you'll see Rolf in Denver at our annual meeting in November. You'll see Rolf at our fly-in. You'll see Rolf potentially at, at some regional meetings. So um, we're an accessible group. And I think that lends itself to teaching that next generation about our industry and, and how to get involved. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. We'll see everybody next time on our experience. Thank you.